What's up? What's up, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam and Matt Sells, and it's time to hang with the family for another edition of the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Guys, after a few wild and wacky weeks of fantasy football, maybe we can get back to normalcy just a little bit here. We're recording now in the midday on Friday, awaiting some of the other week 11 injuries. But I'll start with you, Hallam. I don't know if you were able, I was shocked because you joined us on Alarm After Hours, how you were able to stay up past that snooze fest of a Thursday night (laughs) football game, man. I owe you some kind of like box of chocolates or something for staying awake. Oh boy, it was uh, it was really bad. It was it was before even halftime. I'm like, this is just not going to get any better. You know, it's all the one time the Falcons drove a little bit the first time they had the ball, then they got pretty close before you know Matt Ryan took an unexcusable sack and then the penalty and caused the missed field goal and then the, like that was it. The, the game was over basically at that point. And you know the Patriots continue to do what they're doing, which is run the ball and play good defense. And Mac Jones does what they asked him to do, and uh, it was just an absolute disaster of a football game. Yeah, I mean, we kind of knew that going, like, on paper, it wasn't that great of a football game, right? I mean, especially when Cordero Patterson got ruled out, uh, we basically knew that (laughs) it was going to be quadruple coverage on Kyle Pitts and see if maybe an offensive tackle could beat the Patriots. I don't know. Um, One interesting note, though, I do want to say is that Coming into that game, the Falcons were the only team in the NFL that had scored on every single trip inside the red zone this season. They had 28 trips offensively in the red zone. They produced, I believe, 17 touchdowns and 11 field goals. So props to them for figuring out how to score without any offensive weapons, I guess, but didn't didn't work so well against Belichick's uh, what amoeba defense that they're basically running at this point. Yeah, I mean, seriously, guys, and, you know, let's actually group Kyle Pitts with TJ Hawkinson, who we've had, we've seen have disappearing performances. And because the Lions are just so bare boned when it comes to their receiving core, why wouldn't opposition just try to get Hawkinson out of the game the entire time? So I almost feel like while you can't bench these guys until other pieces come back where Hawkinson could be screwed in general. But on the other side for Pitts, until, I mean, we either get something with Calvin Ridley coming back or, and with Patterson hopefully being back for the next matchup, it'll give him a little bit less focus. But this is how it's going to be. It's going to be a bumpy ride for the rest of the way with these two. Well, I would say that with Hawk, it's more so Jared Goff's inability to throw the football anywhere close to downfield. Um, and by the way, uh, keep an eye out because it might actually be Tim Boyle starting for yeah, the Lions. I, yeah, I don't think Goff is going to play. I, I don't think, according to their one of the beat writers an hour ago, Goff uh, is going to practice on Friday just to see if he can throw. And if it doesn't look good, then expect Tim Boyle to be under center against the Browns. So that may actually be good news for TJ Hawkinson this week. Yeah, we'll have to see about that. Now, guys, this is something that we're going to have to watch out for, and this is a story that you don't want to brush it under the rug too much. But, you know, these oblique injuries, these midsection injuries, it impacts the athlete's ability to turn their hips without pain, to throw force going from one back to another. When it comes to the fundamental laws of physics, oblique injuries, abdomen injuries, it impacts motions in all sports. And now, even though he practiced, Justin Herbert is the latest with an oblique injury. And 
while, yeah, a lot of people are going to stop and be like, what do you practice? It's okay. Uh Uh-uh. That's where you got to do a little digging. That's where you got to search and see if these beat reporters have anything on this. What happens if it was the last play of practice he suffered this injury? We don't know. We got to watch out for this, guys, because this could have some major fantasy implications in must-win weeks if all of a sudden Justin Herbert is out. Definitely. Uh, You know, from the the few reports that I saw, uh, it doesn't seem like anyone's freaking out about it. It's not like, you know, kind of like Goff from the start, we kind of got word like this might not be good. I haven't quite gotten that feel yet for Justin Herbert, but sure, that certainly changes the fantasy outlook for at least three or four different guys. If he's not able to play, you know, that would take any tight end out of consideration and certainly uh, hurt, you know, Eckler and uh, Allen and Mike Williams too. So definitely something to monitor, uh, not getting quite the, the emergency vibes yet, but like you said, you're not wrong. You know, that's the kind of thing. And that's the thing, you know, you get a, a, a linebacker come through clean once and drills you in the abdomen and you're, you're done. So definitely something to watch but so far i still feel pretty confident yeah i mean they have a pretty tasty matchup this week though for the run game so they may actually be able to protect uh herbert's oblique a little bit and just give the ball a little bit more to eckler this week um and let him run it a bit more but it is something to be concerned about i know in baseball if a guy comes down with an oblique you don't expect very much production from him for the next like month six weeks because they linger and there's no real way to know if it's 100% until you go out there and you throw Cole on Beasley, it. Cole Beasley's dealing with one, and he's playing through it. Yeah, well, he's also playing through potentially COVID, so, you know. <laughs> it's Cole Beasley, man. I, I don't by, take a lot by, of... by the way, guys, in that matchup between the Steelers and the Chargers, if Najee Harris doesn't have close to 30 fantasy points, I'm going to be shocked. I don't want to, like, 30 is a big number. This is the matchup. This is, I just, the game plan with everything that Pittsburgh had to deal with, even if Big Ben is back, there is no reason why Najee Harris shouldn't be a top three fantasy producer among all positions this week. Yep. Chargers are dead last in DVOA against the rush. They're second to last or dead last in yards per game allowed on the ground and yards per carry. That's all you really need. To, oh, and they don't stop people inside the red zone. So that's basically all you need to know about Najee Harris. Other than that, they're great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Not a great fantasy night unless you had the Patriots defense last night. There's there's garbage time production, guys, and then there's garbage time defensive production. Right hey, man, there. I'll take it as a as a guy who has the Patriots defense in fantasy and wound up with 54 points last night from the kicker, the defense, and Damian Harris, oh with Damian God. Harris scoring the fewest amount of points for me. Uh, yeah, I, will well, take- I, mean, I mean, you might be happy now because you got the nice joint effort, but if you're a Damian Harris investor, seeing no. Ramondre Stevenson out carry him, how are you guys feeling about this for the future of the Patriots run game? It is what it is, man. Doesn't Belichick do this every year, Helen? Yeah. Like, I mean, it, Harris has been, a, you know, a good solid producer for weeks now. I kind of, I, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest. I thought it would be uh, a little bit more of a Harris game, but Stevenson did more with the carry. So maybe it was a little bit of a hot hand approach for this week. Well, okay. So let's, let's game this out a little bit, actually, because I just, I just, a light bulb just went off for me. Oh, good. The Patriots <laughs> started one in three, right? weren't looking like they were going to make the playoffs. Now they look like they may actually win the AFC East. 
The only yeah. team they really have to step over is Buffalo, and Buffalo hasn't looked, aside from defense, Buffalo hasn't looked that great on offense except when they played the Jets, and everybody looks great on offense when they play the Jets. Is it possible that because of Damian Harris's injury concerns, and he just came back from a concussion, that they're going to limit his work a little bit to save him for the playoffs so that they can have the bigger, more bruising back for the playoffs to go through? Because think about the teams they would have to play in the playoffs. The Chiefs can't stop the run, right? The Ravens, I don't believe, can stop the run very, I mean, even the Chiefs, who don't run the ball, put up a lot of rushing yards against the Ravens. They would, I mean, the Bills can stop the run, so there's one team. But nobody coming out of the AFC West stops the run. Nobody coming out of the a- AFC North stops the run. Nobody coming out of the AFC South stops the run that well. So is it possible that they're just easing his workload to save him for the playoffs? It's definitely possible, and I think that this extra game, the 17th game, I really do feel like is coming into play in a lot of teams' preparations. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of guys just missing practice on Tuesday and Wednesday if they're at all dinged up. So I definitely think that that is a good point. And just, you know, I think even though it's only just one game, I really do feel like coaches are are really paying attention to that and trying to give guys as much rest as they possibly can. Or maybe it's just, you know, today's athlete. Obviously, you know, we see in the NBA and things like that of resting. So perhaps it's just that. Uh, but I do think that, that maybe Harris has a, a, a few lighter weeks as we get closer to the colder months. Speaking of run games being a little bit dinged up, your 49ers there, Ryan, Elijah Mitchell is a game-time decision against Jacksonville. So let me ask you this. If he sits, how do you think the carries get divided in this matchup? Uh, I think Jeff Wilson certainly, uh, you know, gets the vast majority. Um, you know, I don't think Jermichael Hasty is going to be healthy, so it's going to be Wilson and it's going to be Trey Sermon is going to have to, you know, be deployed. I don't think well or probably not a lot. I'd be surprised if he has more than 10 carries. So I think, you know, uh, for fantasy purposes, it's, it's only Jeff Wilson. I mean, Trey Sermon would only be – like a desperation situation somehow that you have like running backs from both teams on by and like two injuries and he's just sitting there to be picked up. But uh, I, I wouldn't be going in this week with, with confidence for sermon. It would just be Jeff Wilson. Yeah. That's why I was happy to find him as a free agent on my home league after waivers cleared. And I was able to drop Teddy Bridgewater who's on by and a second quarterback who I don't need. So we're not saying drop him for a guy you play. But if you have an extra roster spot just sitting there from a guy you never play or is a backup to a position you don't need, feel free to go pick up Jeff Wilson and you at least have a salvage, uh, a usable running back this week. Because I'm with Ryan. I don't think Trey Sermon is getting very much usage because I don't think Shanahan trusts Trey Sermon at all. By the way, with you guys' late waiver pickups, Focus on those backup running backs that are out there right now. That should be the majority of your bench. And something else that I want to bring up, I know we're not at the family table yet, but if you're trying to upgrade at a certain position, make sure you have legitimately enough depth. And enough depth at running back is not three or four guys. Because two injuries happen in a week, you're screwed. Also, depth for wide receiver. Three wide receivers, even if you're starting two, it's not enough. You need four legit wide receivers that can produce consistently in order to even consider having enough 
depth. Yeah, I, I thought I had that, but between OBJ the last few weeks and Antonio Brown now with a fake COVID card, <laughs> uh, I'm down to like three solid. Well, I would say solid, but last week they didn't do anything between DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett, and AJ Brown. None of them. I mean, Hopkins didn't even play. So, and I don't I think he's practicing anyway, today. Sells. Brown's not healthy anyway. Yeah, I know. But between I played, um, I played OBJ last week because I had to because, oh no, actually I didn't. I sat OBJ, and I played Russell Gage instead because I thought, hey, that's a pretty good matchup. Guy put up a zero point <laughs> day. Uh, but between Lockett and AJ Brown and Gage and who else was my other guy? I don't know. Maybe it was OBJ. I got like eight points. In a half PPR between the four of them combined. So I do think some of AJ Brown was Marshawn Lattimore. You know, the Saints secondary has been tough. Yeah. He's been tough. Uh, this week against Houston, they don't have anyone remotely in that class. So I do, I'm expecting a bounce back game for Brown. Yeah. Also, by the way, check out my NFL game previews on Fantasy Alarm. There's a very interesting note there about AJ Brown and his career against the Texans. Out of any team, he's played multiple times. He averages the most yards per game. He averages the most touchdowns per game against the Texans. By the way, Sells, you got you got any nice notes in there about Cam Newton getting ready to face off against the Washington football team, likely? Um, no, other than Rivera Bowl Part 2. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. I still have no idea how Washington beat Tampa Bay last week. Especially since Chase Young went down with a torn ACL. Like, that's their entire pass rush, which hasn't even been all that good this year. Um, so I really don't know what to expect in in this one. Um, I, think, I think Cam Newton can be kind of the Cam Newton that wasn't in New England, but the last one that was in Carolina. So it could be very interesting and expect some goal line rushes for Cam Newton. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Ryan? I mean, you do a lot of wide receiver cornerback breakdown for us on the site here. Robbie Anderson, all of a sudden we saw him come to life. And you, you would think that from that press conference, you were hearing the theme of the courtship of Eddie's father and their best friends and everything like that. But are you chasing that now? Does it give you any more confidence with Anderson moving forward? I mean, not really. Uh, I mean, breaking out was four catches for 37 yards and, and you know, touchdown. It wasn't like he, he blew up the box score in that game. Break out for him. And, and, you know, again, like, you know, I said on your show last night, I mean, they gave Cam the ball at the one, and he threw a two-yard two, two touchdown. So I'm not sure where all this excitement is coming. I understand he's back on the team where he went to the Super Bowl and everything, but I'm still going off the talent that I saw in New England last year, and maybe the year off, you know, helped him heal a little bit. But dude has about 75 injuries in the last five years, so I, I am uh, tapping the brakes on the Cam Newton uh, you know, reunion tour quite yet. I, I would like to see him throw up a good game, and he gets a cupcake matchup to do it in, although, like we just said about Washington last week, but I am, uh, I'm not exactly riding the Cam train quite yet. Yeah, I'm not saying he's QB1 this week for sure. I'm just saying it's intriguing to see – uh, what will happen? By the way, a minute ago, according to Field Yates, Washington wide receiver Curtis Samuel is questionable to play on Sunday. That's like every that week. Yeah, and it's a groin, right? It's a nag- it's another nagging 
thing. It's a groin injury. So, but it would be interesting if he could uh, get on the field and play his former team there in a, I don't know, is it a revenge? Does it count as a revenge game narrative to prop yourself up on painkillers and go <laughs> face your former team? Um, but yeah, that would, I mean, that would clearly help McLaurin if he could actually get on the field, but I, I doubt that that happens. You guys ride in the Justin Fields train this week. We talked about Baltimore. They're not really stopping much. And I know it's Justin Fields, but at the same time, with the Bears and what they have, I know Allen Robinson's a little bit banged up, but it's, you know, whatever. It's Allen Robinson. Fields has been playing a bit better. How do you guys feel about him, especially for those that maybe need a spot start for fantasy this week? Is Matt Nagy on the sidelines? <laughs> then no, I'm so. playing Justin Fields. I mean, I feel better about him than I do Cam. Uh, I feel like he's been improving a little bit from week to week. It seems like they're, you know, letting the reins off a little bit. They're using his athleticism a little bit more. Uh, so I'm feeling a little bit better. I, I've trashed him for most of the first two months of the season, so uh, not great. But the Ravens are also the worst against the pass. They allow the most passing yards per game. Uh, you know, not as, not as many touchdowns, but the most yards. So, I don't think it's spot start. I think you can do worse than Fields. Assuming in a 12-team league that maybe 15 or 16 quarterbacks are owned and that's what you're picking off of, I think you can do worse than Fields. Well, hold on. If two is available, are you going two or yes. Fields? I'm probably going two over Fields. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a straight-up matchup, right? And he's arguably got better weapons than Fields. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Matt Collins and Albert Wilson and – I know he's got Jalen Waddle and Kaseki, but Kaseki had no catches last week also. So arguably, yes. Yeah, but didn't – I mean, Tua didn't play last week, right? Or no, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, he played He played he a quarter. In. He played three quarters or, you know, more right. than a half. But, yeah. okay, the Jets have also allowed 175 points in the last four games. 175 points. By the way, to put that in perspective, the the dominating Ravens defense from, what, 2000, 2001, allowed 165 points total in the entire season. Wow. The Jets allowed 175 in four games. (laughs) That's why we have Matt for those tidbits, just like that. That's what I love. There we go. And that is why we always bring those tidbits to the family table, guys. So let's bring something to the table. Sells, you got anything else you want to bring to the table? Besides your powerful stats. Yeah, I'm going to turn attention to baseball a little bit because... Why? Well, (laughs) A, season-long awards came out this week, right? Cy Young, MVP. Don't have any problem with the MVP awards, by the way. Bryce Harper on the Phillies won it for the NL. Shohei Otani, unanimous AL MVP. Perfectly fine. No problem with the American League Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray. You lead the league in the four main pitching categories... You should win it, no problem. Justin Breland and myself got into a debate on Twitter about the NL Cy Young Award, and I think part of this has to do with the fact that the guy that finished second was a former Met, and Breland is a massive Mets fan, and it was Zach Wheeler who finished second, um, to Corbin Burns, who won it because he was the most dominant pitcher out there, regardless of innings, as long as you qualify for the ERA title, Corbin Burns's year was phenomenal. So I get that the volume wasn't there, whatever. But I do think it's very weird for Rob Manfred to come out right before the MVP award was announced and say, by the way, a lockout, I think, is beneficial for the league. 
What the hell are you doing, Rob Manfred? Like, you just swallowed up the news of the Cy Young Award winners. You just swallowed the news of the MVP winners. You just swallowed the great news, by the way, that MLB will be paying for housing for minor league players going forward. That's huge news. And then you come out and say, yeah, I'm in favor of a work stoppage. What the hell are you doing, Rob Manford? Seriously, man, this sport barely survived a freaking salary debate between millionaires and billionaires in the middle of a global freaking pandemic. And you're going to come out here and say, yeah, we want to shut this down so that we can get our way. Not surprised at all. Why? Don't admit that publicly. If you're going to admit it to the owners, fine. But don't come out in a press conference before the MVP and go, yeah, by the way, I don't care who wins the MVP. We don't want to celebrate Shohei Otani, who's like the greatest thing ever right now in baseball. We're going to celebrate that we're going to have a work stoppage. Yeah, let's not celebrate that. No. Baseball does it. Yeah, man, baseball. Gotta love it. Thanks, Cells. Thanks for bringing up baseball here. Thanks for bringing that to the family table. I'm a baseball first dude. Come on, man. I know you are, and I'm sorry about that. But the the NBA used to be like the worst sport, and now it's like the second best. So, you know, you know how it goes. Hallam, what are you bringing to the family table, sir? Oh, uh, I got to bring my my sitcom bracket. Uh, started back on the bracket train after two months off. So uh, doing the best sitcoms between the 80s and the 2010s. And no, the Cosby show isn't in it because that man is not is not invited to anything that I do. So uh, get out there and follow me on Twitter at Fighting Chance. Get your votes and see what's the best sitcom of all time. What round are you, Andy? Uh, to, tonight's polls, when they, they drop at 8 o'clock, uh, will be the last of the first round. The Stevie Wonder episode is one of my favorite Cosby shows. It's a great show. It's a fantastic show. It hey, would possibly right. be the best show. I'm just going to say, you're right. It's hard to enjoy it now. I have yeah. the first four seasons on DVD, and you're right. Hard to enjoy. So with that, what I'm bringing to the family table is over the next few weeks and even month. It's going to be holidays. There's going to be times of joyous festivities, celebration, being merry. But as we've seen with some of these stupid athletes, you got to be careful. You got to be responsible. We're seeing it with Coach K's grandson. We're seeing it with Henry Ruggs. Don't drink and drive. Don't drug and drive. Use an Uber. You don't want to use an Uber because of anything pandemic related, then stay the F home. You want to put people's lives in danger, even little kids in the back of a car when you rear end their ass. Guess what? Stay at home. That's all I'm going to say about that. I hate seeing this. And with athletes, I know it's put in a public light and everything like that. But just be responsible. We all like to throw a few back. I know all three of us do, but we're going to be responsible about it. Whatever, you know, it's questionable decision-making, whether we're guilty on it in the past, make today that day that you say no when it comes to anything drinking and driving related. Guys, that's all I'm going to say about that. For Matt Sells, Ryan Hallam, I'm Justin Fensterman. We'll be back. Guys, we'll be back before Thanksgiving. We'll wish everybody well because we got multiple matchups starting midweek. So make sure you don't take that foot off the gas pedal. Eat the turkey. Set your lineups. That's what we do. The Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Always dominate. No other option. We'll help you win.